Hey, and welcome to Product Journeys. I'm Frank Leisner. And I'm Lachlan Robertson. We're both product owners stumbling our way through our product journey. We're out to meet amazing product people and learn a bit more about their skills and their experience. In this episode, Lachlan and I have an interesting conversation with Toby Delamore. Toby is a co-founder of CoLab and a GM of product at Zero. At Zero, he provides product leadership to our practice product portfolio and strategic direction to cross-functional teams of talented people. At CoLab, he drives the growth of product professionals through cohort-based learning. Through his time in product, he's learned that creating successful product is hard. With that challenge, however, comes the reward of leading teams to understand and tackle the strategic balance of solving customer problems while delivering business value. When he's not working to pull together the elements that create the magic of product success, you'll most likely find him tackling fatherhood, trying to master some coffee art, or taking the dog for a walk. Toby, welcome along. We usually start with your story or background, and and I'm sure you've got a, quite an interesting story. So go for it. Okay, strap yourself in for three hours in the deep dive of my life. Yeah, no, I think it's always really interesting to hear where product people come from. I think everyone has a really unique story, which is is kind of what shapes product people is usually diverse backgrounds and experiences. So for me. The quick backstory is in New Zealand, uh, grew up on Waiheke, did a lot of things like catching frogs and eels and playing on beaches and getting sunburned. Obviously kind of set up to be in tech from an early age, but then I got in sport and I took myself over to the US where I spent four years at university and got to play college sport there and um, be part of a team, really massive focus at yeah, there's American universities in terms of how you build a team and, and elements of that. What sport did you play? Sorry to interrupt. No, no problem. I played uh, lacrosse. Interesting. Yeah, so did all my high school in New Zealand, but then picked up the sport of lacrosse and found myself in the US. And sport will be a thing I refer to a bit because I think it shaped a lot of the way I approach product and the way I approach leadership. And after that, I took off on a little bit of travel and ended up at a surf camp in Spain somehow and uh, got the best job I've ever had, which was as a dishwasher at a surf camp in Spain. And that was awesome. I really enjoyed that. But once again, it didn't really give me that indication that product was my life journey. That really came about when I came back to New Zealand. I had studied sport and recreation management with a minor in business, but I'd been at a surf camp and playing sport and doing those kind of things. So I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And it wasn't until I got rejected from about 100 job applications, but luckily I got an intro to trade me for a customer support position. And as all good people do, I turned up for my customer support interview in a full suit and tie um, in the middle of summer, sweating quite profusely, and, and turned up and, you know, that was probably my first indication into, hey, there's this world of tech. People don't care if you're in a suit or not. They're actually looking to understand who you are, what you're passionate about, what you want to do. And so I really connected with that. And luckily, they thought I had some skill um, to step into a customer support role. And that kicked off the journey into product where I spent 
a lot of my days working with customer support, so obviously helping all the people who use TradeMe, but then also liaising with engineers and sort of saying, hey, we've got this you know, bug or this problem the customer's raised, can we investigate that? Or they've requested that we do this, how hard would it be to build that into the software? And so naturally that took on a little bit of what you could call early product management, right? Like here's a problem, how could we solve that with software and engineering and design? And then the feasibility of doing that. That evolved and, and I managed to get into a bit of business analyst and then product owner roles. Then I eventually stepped into a product management role there where I led the Property Insights platform. So built that from the ground up as a bit of a competitive uh, response to the market. That was really where I had a fast forward learning experience of building a full end-to-end product from the ground up. And you know, trade me much like zero, I think for product people is one of those environments where you just grow at an accelerated pace. I think is important in product. It's it's not your title that will really teach you things. It's where you are and where you work and the people you work with. And trade me was lucky enough to be one of those exceptionally good places to do that as a first product role. So yeah, I spent a number of years doing that. And then I took off to another Kiwi company called Rome Digital, which is a little more on the consultancy side. And they have a full end-to-end consultancy that worked with a lot of innovation labs and big businesses to help them build product. So there, what I did is I helped lead product where we do things like discovery sprints and design sprints from New Zealand police through the whole design and build of things like Bluetooth connected rat traps. It was also where I realized my passion actually lies in building really strong product teams and leading long-term product strategies. So how do we look at the next three years and how we're going to create impact? And so that was a good reflection for me from Trade Me versus more of a consultancy side. Um, and that led me to zero, where I kind of saw similar elements of great teams, great people, the ability to have autonomy to execute and essentially build great product. And so that's what led me here. There you go. Moving back to the team's part, and in particular, lacrosse, can you talk a bit more about how that sport crossovers to the professional world? And in particular, I guess the college system in the States, obviously they have a number of athletes over there. I imagine it would have been an interesting experience. Yeah, it was an interesting experience. And I think in, in New Zealand, we have a little bit of a tall poppy syndrome and it's not trying to be too good at things here, people. Um, and whereas over in America, you know, there's certainly a culture of really striving for you know, success and, and pushing people. And so in college, I was able to be part of, a, I guess, a group that was pretty driven and, and clear on what it wanted to achieve. So, you know, be that a national championship or things like that. And I also had a coach who was, you know, a really good coach in the sense that he didn't just teach drills and how to do the sport, but really looked at what's the connection and the ethos around the team and how do you build that culture and how do you build different mindsets within that team in terms of using those and bringing them to the team that then results in the output you want, right, which is a kind of reach the goal, win the game type thing. Um, but it's only once you set up the team and the individuals in that team for success and kind of cultivate that within the group that then those other things start to happen. So that was a pretty big eye-opener for me. Creating successful teams isn't just about get the best skilled people in the group and it'll be fine. It is really all of those intangible elements in between it, the trust, 
the element of a shared outcome, which you're willing to, you know, sacrifice or put others in front of you for the best element you get out of teams is that feeling of when you are a tight knit, trusted group, you strive forward and drive for success a lot more. And it's a hell of a lot more fun to do it along the way. Psychological safety is, I guess, the word that we talk about. And I have always struggled to find ways to actually build that. It almost feels like it happens. Have you got any examples that you've you can actually say this is something that you could do that works to create that? It's a very hard thing to build, as you say, because there's no blueprint to it. You can't say, apply this framework and psychological safety or trust is built. So there is that human element to it, understanding people a little bit. I think if there are some things I say help drive towards or it can be useful to use. One is leaders or people within that group need to be able to strip away their insecurity of showing true feeling, also known as being vulnerable. Usually those people who can put their hand up and, and say, yeah, I'll share something, they're the catalyst. And you have to be brave, right? Because maybe there's a chance that that group won't build that for you. And you've got to be ready for that in terms of, hey, sometimes it doesn't work in that way, but most of the time I think it does. And if you can be that brave person that does take that first step, say in a new team, when you're trying to build a product team, or even just on a regular occasion, you know, as product people, we're all generally leaders of some kind. If you can open up in that way, I think you go a long way to building that psychological safety. Yeah, it's, a, I guess, an important reflection and it lines up with modeling the behavior you want to see as a leader. One of the things you touched on briefly there and. and Primarily, I'm interested for my own reasons. I, I play sport <laughs> at a fairly high level as well. But defining success, I've always struggled with that within my teams outside of like winning the championship. Yeah. Do you have any like ideas of how you could go about that and obviously how that could relate to the business world as well? You know, as an athlete, that seems like it's always the end game, isn't it? If you took that slightly... You know, facetious viewpoint of let's say you cheated and your team cheated and you managed to get the the good draw against all the worst teams and you still won how does that type of winning feel i think look as humans we all have an element of wanting to win and i think that's the thing we should be comfortable with it, it gives you drive it gives you that that want to do things well what we need to be clear about is how would we like to win or how would we like to achieve and so if you can build that into your teams that feeling of yeah we know the outcome and that that win we want to get to but it's actually the path we go through that's going to make that feel really good how do we rise to challenges how do we stay together stay driven stay positive that's that's the stuff that really makes a difference in terms of what winning is mm. i think that probably speaks quite well to the kiwi attitude as well Paul Poppy syndrome you know I think we're yeah. like it's not all about winning actually how we get there is more important and of course winning kind of trumps, yeah. trumps it all yeah sorry no I was just gonna say like it is it is a Kiwi thing and, and I think actually in, in product management you know to, to kind of focus in on that that Kiwi mentality around you know being too successful winning and celebrating too much can be detrimental because we see it as a bad thing and it, again, it's not in the sense of there's only one winner, everyone else sucks. That's, that's the only way it can be. It's more like, hey, if, if my product team can come together 
be amazing in how they work together and, and achieve really good things, that's winning and that should be celebrated and they should be held up in high regard for doing that. And if you can build that kind of culture, then that's really, really nice, right? I think sometimes we overcorrect in New Zealand and just don't achieve anything because then there's no risk of getting, I don't know, called out for it. So. <laughs> it's much bigger than just you or your team, really. Yeah, I, and on that, one of the best, I don't know, not advice, but something that stuck with me in early trade me days is we talked about you know, do what's best for trade me. And it's very simple, right? It, it removes those kind of those points of conflicts where you're like, oh, what's this business doing? We were trying to work on this and now they're pivoting us. Like when you can step back, especially I think in product and look at collectively at the end of everything, we're trying to do what's best for Zero and its customers. Yeah, if you can build that mentality, it makes it a lot easier to take on those challenges than that kind of resistant negative mindset. It's like, ah, I don't believe this. This doesn't work. It's not what I want to do. So, yeah, I think Definitely. that's been an important thing that stuck with me. That's cool that Trade Me has that. I've read No Rules Rules, which is the Netflix like oh, culture. Yeah. And they have the same do what's best for Netflix. And it comes in, mm. they have hardly any policies. Like you can take as many holidays you want, but ultimately you're only taking the number of holidays which is going to be best for Netflix, I suppose. I quite liked that. I didn't realise that Trade Me had it as well. So moving along your, your story, Trade Me, you started in customer support. Yes. Um, that, and it sounded like you pretty quickly moved into product. I'm interested in what particular things during your customer support allowed you to move into product. I think in general, there has to be a desire to move into product. Some of that might be just unconscious. You just kind of connect in with the world of product, right? So the very first step for me, as I said, was touching base with engineers and trying to solve the problems I was taking through phones or emails. So that very first step, I think, was finding actually I'm passionate about this. I enjoy that part of the work. Don't get in, do not get into product management if you just think it's a good career or seems like a shiny role. You need that underlying drive to actually enjoy the process of it. So that was number one. And the second was starting to connect myself into that world. So I went and sat down with product managers. I went and sat down with people that were doing that role and talked to them about what they did and how they did it. And then the final piece of the puzzle was I did it. So I always remember doing the Trade Me hackathons. I put my hand up at every single one of those came up with an idea, sold it to an engineer or a designer or two, got them on my team and, and actually built product. I found that interest area and, and deliberately made actions to move into it. I think your last point there around actually doing the thing is quite an interesting one because I, I think a lot of people, their first question is like, oh, how do I even get into product? But there are opportunities out there and it doesn't need to be a big thing, right? A hackathon or it could even just be, you know, a part-time thing with friends that you just talk about ideas and work to hone them or something. So I'd like that around that transition. Yeah, I just recently gave a talk at Tech Week and moving into product management. And, and that is always my advice, right? If you want to move into product management, it's not a traditional career path where you start at very entry level out of university. It's clear step-by-step-by-step -step career. It's kind of a unique place where there are all these elements to it that you have to pick up from somewhere. 
But if you can be someone who takes deliberate action to look at a product role, understand what's needed in it, reach out, connect with people, formulate ways to practice those skills or prove that you have them, you're going to be 10 times more successful in terms of getting into product than just sitting back and hoping that someone picks you or a CV gets through. So yeah, deliberate action is your friend to get into product. Tell people if you want to, you want to work for zero, let's say, go talk to a hiring manager or a product manager, you know, contact them, find a network connection and ask them to have a coffee. Now ask them to have a coffee to learn about product, not say, can I have a job? Because that will connect you in much, much more than that CV. Of course, the interesting thing is, eh, you know, probably 50% of people you tell that to are actually going to take it and do it. And again, that's because it's deliberate action. It's an uncomfortable action. You have to be motivated to actually go out and do that. But that is what makes it happen. Hmm. You touched on some of the key skills, or at least developing skills within the product space. Could you touch on what you feel some of the key skills are for a product manager or leader? I think when it's entry level and this thing we teach at CoLab, which is a product management company that I founded, is that you need to understand the principles of product management and the why. So what I recommend to people is don't go out there and try and learn every framework and what is rice and what does the Kano model mean? Those are all tools and they're great. What you need to understand is the principles behind product management. What is the outcome that role is there for? Why you need to understand customer problems? Why is it you need to ensure that a delivery team can think about the customer and then develop an iteration? Why are those things important? Because once you understand that, you stop worrying about knowing all the solutions to it and you start being able to apply that thinking with your own expertise and thoughts. Uh, to, to ask the impossible question, where is the, yeah. the best place to learn those principles? Do you have any recommendations? <laughs> of course. <laughs> Colab, of course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely our week one of the product fundamentals cohort we run. I think more than anything, my advice would be pick a couple of key sources and just use those, right? Like most of them have 89% of the same things. It's when you start trying to cross-reference everything, you get confused. For both of you and everyone that works at Zero and product, you can explain what product management at Zero needs in terms of core principles better than anyone else. And that's going to be a lot more realistic for someone than a high-level, nicely put book. So in terms of then leading a team, what are those skills or principles that you would see as being important? There's a few that start to become important the, the more you move into it, that shift from product owner to product manager, or what might be more commonly known as a product manager to a group product manager. I think one is you need to understand people and teams and the dynamics of those. You start becoming responsible for more of that and, and looking across multiple teams and understanding dynamics and the right people to put on the right things. And when you start having to delegate or give people ownership, you need to understand how you best suit people to the right challenges. The other is complex problem solving. I think as a leader, you get more and more complex problems, bigger problems, and you need to understand not the detailed solve it all end to end, 
but how you take a complex ask and start to break that down in terms of understanding how we're going to approach it again bring in the right people and and knowledge to look at it plan how we tackle that problem and go through the execution then the kind of cliched one is leadership a little bit but you've got to get comfortable a bit with being able to put yourself out there and you know start to inspire people and bring them along on that journey and and make them feel connected into what they're doing and and that does become an element of leadership that is pretty important yeah the hard thing for the areas that you suddenly start growing and i'm sure so it's a product manager at a, a barbecue when you're talking to someone who has no idea no no about surf camp what you do oh surf yeah camp. yeah go back yeah how do you explain what you do to someone who has no idea about tech and product so this is my definition product managers are roles within software companies that help lead the creation of products that solve customer needs while delivering value to their business and i i think I it's that, process that a little bit <laughs> <Who's> succinct <laughs> we've touched a little bit on on key skills and i guess on on things within the product framework or toolkit that you might have but are there any go-to things that you find really useful in your day-to-day that you always find yourself going back to or using yeah there's a number and they're annoyingly intangible elements i'm not a big framework template person if i don't carry a lot of those in my back pocket because what i believe is that in every product role there are unique challenges day in day out right and the frameworks that suit those are going to differ again where you use a Kano model to where you use a simple four by four framework, it all kind of depends. One is probably to that complex problem solving skill set is just that ability to be comfortable with not knowing the answer. Right. So as soon as someone says, "Hey, we need you to lead X," or "Hey, oh, there's this big problem product problem we need you to solve," it's been comfortable. Go great. Let's start somewhere. Let's start moving through solving that problem. And that is a very, very useful tool to carry everywhere because it stops you getting overwhelmed in product, which is a very real threat that always happens. Next to that is the imposter syndrome, which is a very real threat that always happens. But if you can carry that feeling of, hey, my job isn't to know the answers, my job is to find the answers, then that's a great tool to carry. The second is understanding and working with people so i enjoy that it's part of the role i enjoy a lot but in product i think you do get the opportunity to work with a lot of people across different roles you have that sort of element within a team helping drive forward vision and, and outcomes so if you can can find those elements in terms of working with people and building that trust that we spoke about at the beginning that again builds that team and that ability for a team to work together then that's going to be a skill set or a tool that's going to help you wherever you go in product and can help you achieve a lot of things that simple frameworks and templates can't so yeah complex problem solving and ability to work with people nice complex problem solving in particular how have you developed that skill because that's certainly something that i can imagine like it's easy when you say it but actually if you do get a complex problem how would you break that down yeah it's kind of one of those classic answers where you're like complex problem solving leave it at that and everyone listens like yeah but how do you do that that's not very tangible 
Thanks, Toby. Exactly right. <laughs> I think the the first thing is thinking, well, any any problem is solvable. So it's just about what part of it do I start with? And usually for me, that's just understanding the elements of the problem. I'm quite a visual person, so I tend to jump on a mirror and kind of like just put pieces of a puzzle together. This has gained some skills I've also been learning with Claudia, who's an awesome zero leading strategy. She has given me some good advice, what's called cleaving the problem and how you break down the problem in terms of the elements of it. So very much the classic opportunity trees that we see, but actually looking at more of like a problem logic tree. So if that's the problem, what are those causes of it? What are the causes of those? Then you start to break down all the elements that are forming that complex problem. And hey, it might be a massive map of it, but at least you can see it all and you can start to go, right, I'm not going to solve this whole thing, but I'll start over here on this element here, which does level up to that core problem and we'll solve for that. So that's one. The other, which is a personal thing that I, I do, is I look at other people as much better at solving problems than me. And so what I look for is to understand who can actually solve this problem. Like who's got the knowledge? Who's got the expertise? Who can step in and, and help me understand this? Sometimes I think in, in product, we try and play the hero and we're like, it's my job. I'm the fearless leader. I must solve this problem. The third is a pragmatic decision-making nature. So being able to sit there and go, right, we've found the problem. We're getting to a point of like, to solve it, we're going to make a decision or there's an element here that's maybe not 100% confident. Having the pragmatic nature to go, well, the most common sense thing we could do is this and let's move forward with that. And that's something that I think lends itself very well to product leadership is being able to strip away that feeling of, well, I just don't know, so I can't make a decision and just be pragmatic and go, right, either there's a relatively good confidence or information to help make a decision or we need a decision and let's move forward with it. If it's wrong, then we will change it or do our best to pivot it. But I've made that pragmatic decision to keep things shifting around and moving. And that obviously ties back into your, your theme before around action in a way and like taking that step to do stuff. So, so. Yes. And if you're asking when I'm sure they'll tell you that I have quite a bias for action and getting things done, that's got to be balanced, but it is definitely uh, a strong element to, to moving things forward to try and break down and, and get to a solution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so true. A couple of other big questions before we get on to our, our final rapid fire section. For you and your your career thus far, what do you think has been one of the biggest lessons that you've learned? There's a, a lot of lessons. I think the biggest one I've learned, again, comes back to what I was just talking about, which is it's not on me to solve everything. I think earlier in my career, I certainly had that mentality. I need to get out there. I need to find this out. I need to solve it. And now I think I've had that learning where that just results in burnout and stress. And and it actually is detrimental to your team or members of your team because it feels like you're hoarding that decision-making or that information. So once I started to realize that 
it's not all on me and it's it's okay to share the problem and and share that burden hell of a lot more successful and impactful and in, in terms of what i did cool 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 and successful and impactful what's your greatest professional accomplishment i think the team i've built at zero been lucky enough to have a very fantastic team over the last little while and some fantastic product people in my team and very very proud of how they have stepped up to the challenge how that team is now operating from where it began as a brand new team of people coming together and there's a whole lot of elements to that which make me very happy about that as one of the highlights of a career back to one of my core passions which is the growth of people and, and seeing their growth has been been really nice there you go a great answer from melita putting people first i like that rapid fire questions to bring us home do you have a favorite book uh, or article that you could recommend for people yes the one i recommend a lot uh currently recommending it in the product strategy cohort claudia and i are instructing which is good strategy bad strategy it's one of the most common problems we see product practitioners talk about which has been really interesting at collab because we I get to be selfish and have 150 plus product people's things to tell me that product strategy is a, a core challenge for people so if you want a good book that's just going to give you a better understanding of what strategy is why it's important read good strategy bad strategy plus one yeah i love the nuggets the three nuggets that they have that just breaks it down really simply yeah and the kernel is a cool way to describe yeah. it it's a cool word yeah that's right not a nugget kernel. <laughs> yeah, yeah um so i'm a big fan of podcasts if you listen to podcasts what would you recommend yes i do one that i've actually found really useful so if you're a product practitioner you want a little bit of upskilling but also just enjoyable is masters of scale Reid Hoffman, founder of LinkedIn, just brings on founders and talks through the story of how they built the product and all the lessons learned. But he's very good at telling the story too. And then from that learning perspective from product, it gives you some really interesting insights into how some of the well-known products of today were built. There you go. I have heard that from a couple of people to, to listen to it. So I'll put it on my list. Thank you. Uh, what is one thing you're most grateful for? I think in tech and especially at zero, um, we forget to be grateful for, for what we get to be part of. And so if there's something I'm grateful at the moment, when you look at what we've been through with COVID, with the way the sort of change in economy and, and markets is going, we should be incredibly grateful. And I'm incredibly grateful to work for a company like zero, it's putting its people's first, it's doing the best it can to support it's extremely understanding of looking after us and our, our personal lives, looking after our mental health and the advocacy of diversity and inclusion and to the point where I think we're spoiled. And then to be working in product where you get to have autonomy to own things and execute and be part of that big discussion around what's happening in the company. So it's a pretty special place to be working at the moment. Very special and easy to forget, I think. so. Good reminder. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so we're at our final rapid fire question. Is there anything else you want to say? Any takeaways or call to actions? 
for anyone who's in product, continue to push for your growth, right? Growth is kind of a continuous journey. And in a profession such as product management, it's very hard to to get that feeling of I'm really good at my job, right? My advice would be step away from that and look at everything you do as part of your growth journey and every element that you do within that helps towards that. So if you do a mentoring session, if you read a book, if you go just talk to a peer at zero and, and ask them what they do in terms of product, you're continuously growing and getting better at product management. Look at those elements that are in your control and, and part of that growth journey for you and go out there and get them. You know, Don't sit back and wait for them. Very inspiring and a particular love for me, the, the thing how you link back to sport around controlling the controllables, right? The things that are within your control. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've resisted many sports references, but um, <laughs> you promised many at the start. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and look for, for all of that, that is right. Right. Like you can, you can grow your own skills. And the reason you do that is so you can contribute them into a team environment, which comes back to how do you contribute your elements to a successful team? Because once you do that, you feel like you've achieved something with others and it, it's all there. Awesome. Well, that's, that was a very enjoyable conversation, Toby. You've pulled a lot of, I want to say kernels, but golden nuggets um, in there. Thank you for your time and chatting to us. No, you're very welcome. Um, thanks for all the hard work you do to grow great product people at zero. Thank you. I would be remiss if I didn't ask the external program that you've got. What was that called again? And how can people find out more about that? Yeah, Collabs. Collab is sort of focused yeah, on the growth of, product professionals and we do that through cohort-based learning but also sort of an always-on element of community and the concept of uh, peer-to-peer learning the actual real experience that you have in your role is extremely valuable and, and should be shared with other people you can find out more on that at collabcohorts.com